1: John chapter 14 John chapter 14 One of our core values here is we believe remember there are three things believe belong and serve believe belong and serve and everything we do around here revolves around those three things what we believe how we belong and how we're going to serve believe belong and serve so this morning I want us to take a talk about a portion of the believing and I want us to talk about our invisible helper The Holy Spirit. How many of you know you have a helper? As a child of God, you have a helper. Look with me at John chapter 14, verse number 16. And I will pray the Father. Jesus is talking here. He says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another, what's that next word? Helper. Helper. Everybody say helper. helper. And he will abide with you forever. Verse 17. The Spirit of truth. That's important that you remember that. The helper is called the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Turn me down just a hair, would you? Today I want us to look at some verses which talk about our invisible helper. And I'm discovering something. I'm discovering a reality that uh, I didn't really know I was going to discover at the age of 58. The longer I live my need for help doesn't decrease. In fact, it seems to be increasing. That's what I'm discovering. I'm a pretty sharp fellow, aren't I? <laughs> the longer I live, my need for help doesn't decrease. In fact, it's increasing. Every day I am realizing more and more how important it is to recognize and grow in my relationship with my invisible helper, the Holy Spirit. I was, under, I was mistakenly under the impression that the longer you lived, the more self-reliant you became. I thought one day I would get to the place where I could literally say, been there and done that, got the t-shirt, know all about that, don't need anybody's help. But to be honest with you, it's not working out that way for me. In fact, the longer I live, the more I realize I need help. I recognized as a young boy preacher when I was 25 years of age... I knew real quickly that when the couple who came to see me who were in their 60s and they had marital problems and I was 25, I knew right then I needed some help. I didn't even know the questions, much less the answers. And I can remember praying and asking the Lord to send me an older minister who would come alongside me and help me, mentor me, grow me, develop me. I prayed that all the time. You see... As a young man, I recognized that I had a call of God to be a blessing to humanity. And I had a desire to bless people. But here's what I learned early on. There's a difference between willingness and wisdom. Do you hear me? There's a lot of people that want to be a blessing, but they don't know how to be a blessing. There's a difference between willingness and wisdom. Willingness and wisdom are two different things. And I remember thinking, one day I'll have all the answers. I won't feel so vulnerable, and I'll know what I'm doing. But it seems the older I get, the less I know. Or maybe I'm just now realizing I didn't know as much as I thought to begin with. All right? Every day, I am realizing more and more how important it is to recognize and grow In my relationship with my invisible helper, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is talking to his disciples and he tells them, I'm going to send you another comforter. And that word comforter is the word paraclete. The word helper or comforter is the Greek word paraclete, which means one called alongside to help. It doesn't say that he's going to come and do it for us. It says he's sending someone to come alongside to help us. I have eight, I have right now, I have eight young ministers that I meet with or talk to by phone at least once a month. Eight young ministers. They've called me and said, Pastor, can you, can you be a mentor to us? Can you help us? So I meet with eight young ministers and I'll tell them all, I'm not going to do this for you. But I will come alongside and help you. I will give you instruction. I'll give you counsel. I'll share some things with you that I've learned over the years that might help you. But I'm not going to do it for you. I'm not going to figure this out for you. And that's the same way with the Holy Spirit. He's not going to do it for us. He has been called alongside to help us. He is beside you to help you. Look what it says again in John chapter 14, verse 17. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, Jesus said, for He dwells with you and will be in you. Listen to what Jesus said. He said the world, unbelievers, sinners, people who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, He says they can't see the Holy Spirit. They can't recognize the Holy Spirit. A lot of times we'll see things on TV that stuns us. I don't know about you. I see things on TV that just literally stun me. How can people do that? How can people act that way? How in the world did her mama let her leave the house looking like that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you'll say, don't they know any better? And the truth is they don't. Because they don't see it. You say, how can people be so evil and so violent and so mean? How can don't, Haven't they been raised? Don't they know God? No, they don't. Don't they have a fear of God? No. So many people do not have a fear of God. Jesus said it this way. He said, the Holy Spirit, he said, you will know him. But the world can't know him. He says, they can't see him and neither do they know them. Now, notice what this verse says. Notice what he says. It's the Spirit of truth, this helper. He's the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But notice this last phrase. But you know him. You know him. Everybody repeat after me. I know him. Every day you and I need to wake up and say, I know him. I know him. I know him. him." Every day we need to say that. I know him. I know the Holy Spirit. You think you're vulnerable? You think you're helpless? You think you're not going to get through? You need to say, no, 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 no. I know him. I know the Holy Spirit. He's my helper. He's been called alongside to help me. Notice what Jesus says. But you know him. He says the difference between unbelievers and believers is that believers should know and recognize the Holy Spirit and his working in their lives. Believers should know that. Now listen. Unfortunately, because of no teaching or because of errant teaching, so many believers do not know or recognize the Holy Spirit's assistance in their lives and they live helpless. So many church people that have grown up in church and their parents were a part of church, they, they don't know that the Holy Spirit is a daily assistance called alongside to help you. I talked to a, pe- a person raised in a church and they was telling me, tell me about this Holy Spirit. And I said, well, you know, He's the third person of the Trinity. Uh, he, uh, he comes and live inside of you when you're born again. And He also wants to empower you. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. I said, you know, He'll walk with us. He'll show us things to come. He'll, he'll reveal truth to us. He reveals Jesus to us. He, he makes the Scriptures come alive to us. He'll empower us. He'll give us supernatural gifts to help us to operate and live life in a supernatural manner. And he said, really? I said, yeah. I said, what did they teach you, the Holy Spirit? He said, well, it's just the Bible. I said, the Bible? I said, the Bible's the Bible. He said, well, they taught us that's the Holy Spirit's the Bible. And I said, so that's what fell on the day of Pentecost. When they were filled with the Holy Ghost, there was 120 Bibles fell and hit them in the head. That's what fell on. He said, well, I never really thought about it like that. You know, you and I need to understand why we believe what we believe. You, need, you and I need to understand what we believe at the same time. So we're going to do a quick study today on the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about Him. Notice what He says in Matthew 28. How many brought your Bibles? Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18. Is anybody hot in here? Is anybody cold in here? See, that, that right there shows you can't please anybody. Matthew 28, verse number 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority. Who's talking here? Jesus. He said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That word nations there is the word ethnicities in the Greek. And baptizing them. Now notice this. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's referred to as the Trinity. The word Trinity is a Latin term, has its roots in Latin, and it means three. We say it this way. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. People say to us all the time, what do you believe? We believe there is one God existent in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's important that you understand that. There is one God, yet distinct persons, yet three distinct persons who make up one God. It's not three gods. And it is not one God with a multi-personality disorder. All right? It's one God, yet three distinct persons. And to understand the doctrine of the Trinity, we have to accept that we are forced by God's self-revelation in the Bible to ignore the ordinary laws of logic. You have to understand that. People say, I can't figure out that Trinity. Well, I can't either. And you have to just be okay with that. Because, you see, the doctrine of the Trinity proclaims God is one, yet three. He is three, yet one. This does not mean that Christianity has abandoned logic and reasoning. Instead, we accept the fact that the doctrine of the Trinity refers to an infinite being who is beyond complete comprehension of His finite creatures. In other words, what are you saying, pastor? There's some things about God you'll never figure out. Because he's God. If you knew it all, you would be God. He is God and there is a mystery about God. There is The Bible calls it the mystery of godliness. It doesn't make any difference how close we get to him. There are going to be some things on this side of the veil that we'll never really going to know. And people will say to me, well, I can't believe it if I don't understand it. Well, let me ask you, do you, do you, do you understand how a, a brown cow can eat green grass and make white milk? You can't understand that, but you enjoy the milk, do you not? Well, I don't understand God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that they're three, but they're one. One. I don't understand that. The problem is this. We don't have anything in our terms to compare it with. Because it's something incomprehensible about God. And we've just got to understand that. But here's what we do know. That the apostles who went before us and who wrote the scriptures, they believed in the Trinity. They believed in the three as one. Let me prove it to you from scripture. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. I hope you brought your Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. The Apostle Peter says it this way: To the elect, according to the foreknowledge of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Everybody over there? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. To the elect, according to the foreknowledge of God, the, to God the Father. There we go. In sanctification of the Spirit, there's God the Holy Spirit. For obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. There's God the Son. The Apostle Peter uses all three in one verse. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul does the same thing. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, there's God the Son, by the will of God, that's God the Father, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's God the Father, there's God the Son. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Son, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Now go down to verse 13. In Him, in Christ Jesus, you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in Him, in Christ Jesus, you've also believed you were sealed with the what? Holy Spirit. Spirit. There's God the Spirit. So the Apostle Peter talks, refers to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul refers to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Did you know... That God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity is mentioned in the virgin birth of Jesus? Let me show it to you from Scripture. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. The Gospel of Luke chapter 1, verse 30. Let me give you a second to get there. Luke chapter 1. Used to be you could hear pages turning. Now you hear thumbs going up the deal. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. Then the angel said to her, talking to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the, what? Son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? The angel answered her and said to her, now notice this, the Holy Spirit, there's God the Spirit, will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So right there in the virgin birth of Jesus, you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is revealed in the baptism of Jesus when he was baptized in water? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, to John at the Jordan to be baptized of him. Verse 14, and John tried to prevent him, saying... I need to be baptized but you, and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him to be baptized. Verse 16. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the what? Spirit, Spirit of God. There's God the Spirit, descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Verse 17, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So, right there, you've got God the Father speaking from heaven, you got Jesus being baptized, the Son, and you got the Holy Spirit coming down and, and uh, lighting upon and empowering Jesus Christ. Did you know that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit created the world? And everything that's here. Look at Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. The Holy Spirit was involved in that. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Do you realize the Spirit of God has been on planet earth before mankind was on planet earth? The Spirit of God did not come on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says, in the beginning, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now turn to Hebrews chapter uh, uh, 1, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoken us in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Did you know it was through Jesus the Son and the Spirit of God that God made the world? That's what the Bible says. Now here's what's important for you and I to remember. We're talking about our invisible friend. We're talking about our invisible friend, the Holy Spirit. Well, Pastor, why do you give me all of that? Because here's what you need to know. Your friend who has been given to you, your helper who has been given to you that's invisible He made the world. He made the world. That's why you don't need to never say, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. That's why the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because Christ made the world and that same Christ is my helper, the Holy Spirit, and he lives in me. He lives in me. He lives in me. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is referred to in the Bible as God. People say to me all the time, well, who do I pray to? I pray to the Father, I pray to Jesus, I pray to the Holy Spirit. I don't want to get, it don't make any difference. Just pull one lever, one of them will answer. <laughs> don't get caught up on that. What should I say to the God, to Jesus? What do I need to say? Well, I pray. I pray to God the Father. I say, Father, in the name of Jesus. That's how I pray. But let me tell you, they're one. There have been times I've screamed out, Jesus, save me from this woman that's blonde-headed woman that you've given me. She's about to kill me, and he's come and help me. And there's other times I said, oh, Holy Spirit, don't let her find that out. Don't let her find that out. And he's come and help me. And then there's times I said, oh, God, oh, God, you've got to get me away from this woman that you've given me. She's about to destroy my life. And, you know, he just says, tough. <laughs> He's just like a father. Grow up, son. You made your bed lying. <laughs> People get all worked up. They get all filled. Well, you don't say that. Don't Listen, they're one. Whether you use the term God, whether you call on Jesus, whether you call on the Holy Spirit, it doesn't make... They're one. And that's what you need to understand. They are one. And the Holy Spirit has been sent to help us. He is God on earth today. The Bible tells us, God is at the throne. Jesus is at his right hand. And the Holy Spirit is on earth today helping mankind navigate life. He's here today. Okay. Now, the Holy Spirit is referred to in the Bible as God. He's referred to as God. Well, I thought he was like a ghost. I hear people say the Holy Ghost. He's not like Casper the friendly ghost. He is God. God. He's God. He's God on earth today. Look what it says in Acts chapter 5. You know Acts chapter 5. There's, two, there's a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. The Holy Spirit has just come. The church is just being launched in an explosive revival. And people are being moved on by God to sell their property and give it to the church so that the church can minister in a, an effective way real quick. Now, God doesn't, expect people, doesn't, God doesn't make people do that. He doesn't require people to do that. People are just moved on in their heart to do it. And all these people are selling their houses and their lands and their possessions and they're taking the money and they're giving it to the church so the church can multiply and grow and give it to other people. And there's this couple that see all of this taking place and they won't end on the notoriety. And their name is Ananias and Sapphira. And they sell a piece of property and it was theirs to sell as we're getting ready to see. God didn't require them to give the money. God didn't require them to give all the money. He didn't require them to give even a portion of the money. It was theirs to sell and they could do with it whatever they wanted to. But they wanted the notoriety. They wanted to give an impression that they were spiritual when they really wasn't and we pick it up in acts chapter 5 verse number 3 notice what it says but peter said ananias why has satan filled your heart to the to lie to the who holy spirit, holy spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself verse 4 while it remained was it not your own and the question the answer is yeah it was his own And after it was sold, what is it, not in your own control? And the answer is, yeah, he could do with it whatever he wanted to do with it. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Now, what did he say in the verse before that, verse 3? He said, look at verse 3 again, notice what he says. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the who? And yet in verse 4 says, you have not lied to me and you've lied to God. So see, the Holy Spirit and God are one and the same. They're one in the same. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit God. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 16. Do you not know... Paul is talking here. He says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So the Bible calls the Holy Spirit God. Here's something else to remember. The Holy Spirit possesses all the qualities of God. The Holy Spirit possesses all the qualities. See, we've got to get this, see? We we got to understand this. This is important. You believe this, because when Jesus says, "I'm going to send you another helper," you wouldn't get a substitute teacher. We thank God for substitute teachers, but I know when I was a student how I treated substitute teachers. Do you remember how you treated substitute teachers, Bubba? That was bad. It was bad. A substitute. Most of us, when we got a substitute, we thought easy day. Easy day. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Wow. Easy day. Listen, when, we, when Jesus said, I'm leaving, but I'm sending you another helper, he wasn't saying you're getting a substitute who doesn't know anything or won't put some accountability measures on you. He's saying you're getting somebody just like me. And this helper is the one that's living inside of me and you. So people say all the time, I hear them say, oh, I just wished I lived when Jesus lived. Why you want to do that? They didn't have a car to drive in. They didn't have good clothes to wear. They, had to, they didn't have good water to drink. Well, yeah, but we, we could do the supernatural. If we live when Jesus, we'd see the supernatural. We can see the supernatural day because we've got one just like him. We don't get a substitute who's less than. We've got the Holy Spirit who is God. He's God. The only difference, he's invisible. Jesus lived in a body. That's the only difference. And all the qualities that Jesus had and that God has, the Holy Spirit has them. All the same qualities today. Listen, he is life. He is spiritual life. Romans chapter 8 verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of life. He's the spirit of life. Have you ever been in those churches that seem dead? you ever been in those churches, we'll call them dead, just dead. No life to it. And then you go to those churches where there's life. That's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of life. He is truth. We've already read that. However, John chapter 16, verse 13. When He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Anything He's involved in, it will be truthful. It will be truthful here's one thing you and I need to understand. If you get involved in something that there's deception and lying and lack of truthfulness, the Holy Spirit is not in the middle of that. He's only involved in truth. I tell people this all the time. I said, if you mess up, if you mess up, be truthful about it. Even if you mess up, don't be deceptive. Don't try to cover it up. Be truthful. Because even if you mess up, and you're truthful, the Holy Spirit will walk with you through that situation. But if you try to be deceptive and lie and tell untruth, he's stepping aside because he's the spirit of truth. He will not participate in untruth. I would rather walk through difficulty with him than walk by myself without him. Okay? So he's the spirit of truth. He's love. Look at Romans chapter 15 verse 30. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. Everything God is, the Spirit is. He is life. He is truth. He is love. Here's another one. He is holy. Remember, His name is Holy Spirit. So if His name is Holy Spirit, guess what He is? He's holy. He's holy. Let me prove that to you from Scripture. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. And do not grieve the what? Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That's an interesting verse. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You know what that lets us know? The Spirit of God has feelings. If He can be grieved, that means He has feelings. It does matter what you do and what you don't do and what you say and what you don't say. If he couldn't be grieved, he wouldn't have said, do not grieve him. It's possible to grieve him. Now what happens in the Pentecostal church, how many of were raised in a Pentecostal church? I was raised in a Pentecostal church. I tell people all the time, because we have a lot of Baptists and Methodists and Catholics and Church Christ and people that come that wasn't raised in the Pentecostal tradition. They'll come and they'll say, Pastor, are, are, are y'all not getting out snakes, are you? I said, no snakes here, no snakes here. We don't do, I don't do snakes. Spiders, Pastor Wayne does brown recluse spiders, but I don't do snakes. All right, no snakes here. And I tell people, I said, just watch me, just watch me. If I don't break nervous, we're good. I said, but if you see me heading for the back door, you follow me. Because I just about seen everything there is to see. I grew up in this thing. And I've seen the most um, miraculous things, and I've seen some of the stupidest things all in the name of Pentecostal outpouring, okay? And one of the things you hear quite often in Pentecostal churches is they'll say, well, you don't want to grieve the Spirit of God. I've had people in the middle of messages or in the middle of worship, they'll start giving a message in tongues. And a lot of times, it's not that the message in tongues is wrong, it's the timing is wrong, see? And I'll say, hold that. Let's hold that for right now. And I've had people get mad at me and leave the church and they say, you grieve the Spirit of God. And see, we've got to understand, God is a God of order. You never grieve the Spirit of God when you you operate in order. He's a gentleman. He doesn't interrupt himself. Okay? He'll not interrupt himself. He's a gentleman. And, and, And people will use this verse. Well, you grieve the Spirit of God. Here, several years ago, we had a lady decide she wanted to make a statement. And right before I got ready to preach, she came right here and just s- stood right here. Stood right here and acted like she was praying. I tried to, said, we, we had everybody stand. I said, honey, go on back and sit down. She said, no, I'm praying right here. I said, no, you, you can pray. Go back in the back room. We're getting ready to have church here. You go back. No, I'm staying right here. So we just shut service down. And she came to see me. She said, she grieved, you grieved the Spirit of God. I said, no, you grieve the Spirit of God. I said, because the God is a God of order. He doesn't interrupt himself. He doesn't need to interrupt himself. And what happens is a lot of people will use this verse of Scripture and grieve not the Spirit of God, meaning, well, if you need to let people just do whatever they want to do if they're under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the subject of the the prophet is subject to the prophet the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Listen if you can't control yourself it's not the Holy Spirit it's an evil spirit because the Holy Spirit will yield to the person who's who's operating in it. And people will say to me all the time, well, you, you grieve the Spirit of God. You stop that tongue. I said, no. I said, you can give it, but not now. Give it at the end of the service or give it when we're ready for it, but not right now. I had our people trained in all good that somebody would give a message in tongues during the worship and everybody would stop worshiping. Everybody's worshiping and all of a sudden the message of tongues come. I'd say, hold, 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 hold that right now. Hold that right now. Let's continue worshiping and we continue worshiping. Then at the end of the worship, I'd say, now give it. And that person would give it. That person would give it. Because he said, there's order. But people will say to me, well, you've grieved the Spirit of God. And they'll use this verse. And they take this verse completely out of context. Because look what the context of the verse is. That's verse 30. Notice what verse 30 says. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now look at verse 29. What what translation do you have there in Ephesians chapter 4? Verse twenty-nine. What translation do you have? NLT. You got the NLT, all right? The New Living Translation. What's verse twenty-nine say? At that time, the Son born according to the flesh
0: persecuted the Son. Ephesians oh, four. I'm sorry, ah. wrong one.
1: New Testament. Holy
0: yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I was one book over. Holy Bible. Yes. <laughs> twenty-nine, sir. Four twenty-nine. Yeah. Do not let any unwholesome talk come That's out of it. your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen.
1: The King James says it this way. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but speak that which is good to the use of edifying, so that it may minister grace to the hearers. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but speak that which is good to the use of edifying, so that it may minister grace to the hearers. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but speak that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers, and grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. Listen, you don't have to worry about grieving the Spirit of God because a tongue was out of order. You grieve the Spirit of God when you leave church and you talk like the world. That's when you grieve the Spirit. You don't have to grieve. Don't worry about grieving the Spirit of God in here. We've been praying for Him all week. We've been asking him to show up all week. We've been getting our hearts ready all week for this moment, this hour and a half we have together. You don't worry about grieving him in here in church service. You grieve him out there when you let corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. For out of the same fountain cannot flow both bitter and sweet water at the same time and you've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, and when you allow things out of your mouth, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh, when you allow things out of your mouth that shouldn't proceed out of your mouth, that's when you grieve the Spirit of God. When you come in here and praise Him and worship Him like we need to, and then you go out there and say, I can't, I won't, I'll never be able to, it's not going to happen, we're going down, we're going under, we're never going to make it over, that's when you grieve the Spirit of God. You don't worry about grieving the Spirit of God here in the church service. And then look what verse number 31 says. Look at verse 31. Put verse 31 up there. What does verse 31 say? uh,
0: Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you.
1: So think about that. Be kind to one another. Compassionate. When we grieve, the Spirit of God is not what we do in church service. We grieve the Spirit of God by how we talk and how we act outside. He's holy. It's holy. That's why we live a life seven days a week, as Pastor Wayne wrote that song. That's why we live a life seven days a week that's pleasing to Him because we don't want to grieve Him. I don't want to grieve Him. I tell you, I've been in church services and I've sensed the presence of God and I've enjoyed His presence and I've worshipped. And then I've gone to eat dinner with people. After church, and they'll talk about their family, they'll talk about people, they'll criticize people, and just something on the inside grieves me. Do you know what I'm talking about? We're grieving the Spirit of God. He is holy, and He doesn't want to be grieved. All right? He carries on the. Let's, let's go on. I gotta, I'm getting hungry. We got to finish. <laughs> he possesses all the characteristics of God He's life, He's truth, He's love, He's holy. Here's another one He's eternal. Look at Hebrews 9, 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God? He's eternal. There's nothing you can get yourself into he hadn't already seen. He's been here, done that. He's eternal. Here's another one. He's omnipresent. He's got all the character. He is God, so he has all the characteristics of God. He is omnipresent. What does that mean, Pastor? He's everywhere present in time and space. He is everywhere present. He's everywhere present in time and space. He's omnipresent. David said it like this. I love this. He said, "Where can I go from your Spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. Notice this. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there." Listen to me, family might forsake you, friends might forsake you, spouse might forsake you, children might forsake you, government might forsake you, political party might forsake you, employer might forsake you, other people might forsake you, the Holy Spirit will never forsake you. He says if you make your bed in hell, in hell, if you mess up royally, If you do something, the most shameful thing, and people in your family won't even talk to you, he'll show up and be your friend. If you make your bed in hell, I will be there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall follow me. Listen to what he says. Surely darkness is going to follow me. Judgment's going to follow me. Hell is coming to my life. He says, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Wherever you go, He's there. He's God, and He's your helper. He's omnipresent. Here's another thing. He's omniscient. He's omniscient. He, he's God. He's All the characteristics of God, He's got them. God's everywhere all the time. The Holy Spirit's everywhere all the time. He's omniscient. He has knowledge of all things. He knows everything. He knows everything. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. He knows everything. Here's another one. He's omnipotent. You know what omnipotent means. He's all-powerful. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee. And the news of him went about throughout all the surrounding regions. He returned in the power, all power. The Holy Spirit has our power. You say, what what does that have to do with him being my friend and my helper, Pastor? What does that have to do? Because the quality of help you've got. We ain't dealing with a redneck here from Woodbury. And I love them boys. They're some good friends, aren't they, Bubba? We're dealing with a top-notch. Supernatural friend and helper. Here's what you and I need to understand the Holy Spirit, our helper, who wrote the Bible, who created the worlds, who empowered Jesus to do the supernatural, who raised Jesus from the dead, he lives and he resides in you. The one who raised Jesus from the dead, created the worlds, did the supernatural. He lives in you. He's your helper. You need to know him. If I got a helper like that, I'm going to call on him more often. I don't know about you. I've got myself involved in some situations. I had to have an expert and I'd call somebody from years ago. Hey, didn't you used to do this? Yeah. Can you help me out with this? Yeah, pastor, I'll help you out. I want you to know we've got an expert in everything. He's the Holy Spirit and he lives in you. He lives in you, and Jesus said you should know him. Next time we're going to talk about how not only does he live in you, he wants to empower you. He wants to empower you. And we're going to talk about, because I know a lot of you have questions about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost, that that deal. And a lot of you come from churches that didn't teach that, and you don't know a lot about that, but you're hungry for more of God. Let me just tease you with this. I'll I'll quote this, and then we'll go. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is an infusion of spiritual power into the life of the believer, enabling the believer to become effective witnesses. This power is a special anointing that produces a heightened sensitivity to the Spirit's presence, a greater operation of spiritual gifts through the believer. And it creates a deeper hunger for spiritual insight and into the, insight into the Word of God. It also introduces the believer to a new dimension of worship and prayer. That's the baptism or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Look at it again. It's an infusion of spiritual power into the life of the believer. It enables them to become an effective witness. This power is a special anointing that produces a heightened sensitivity to the Spirit's presence, a greater operation of spiritual gifts through the believer, and a deeper hunger for spiritual things and insight to the Word of God. It also introduces the believer to a new dimension of worship and prayer. And that's available to you. It's available to you. It's available to you. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. And it's been happening every day where people get hungry for more of God. You say, you really believe this baptism of the Holy Spirit is really that important? Do you have to have it to be saved? No, Lord, no. You already got the Holy Spirit inside of you. We're talking about an infusion of power to come upon you. When you get saved, you have the Spirit of God lives inside of you. The Bible distinguishes it like this the Bible calls the salvation a well of water and then the Bible calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit a river of water a well will help you a river helps a bunch of people salvation helps you the infilling of the Holy Spirit for power helps a bunch of people okay you say you think it's that important well it is for me you might not think it is for you, but it was for me. you we got to remember, I grew, up a, I grew up a short, chubby little boy in a church of 50. And how can a short, chubby little boy in a church of 50 that never made over 17 on his ACT... How in the world can a short, chubby little boy who grew up in a church of 50, who never made over a 17 over his AC team, I was turned away from more universities than I was accepted into. How do you then become someone who gives counsels to senators, doctors, lawyers? Counselors call me on where to get counsel to help people who are hurting. How does that happen? It doesn't happen because I got smart genetics. My family were not blessed. Our DNA is not genius. It's stupid. We got the stupid side of the DNA. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. I take no credit for anything that I've been able to be accomplished. How did a boy grow that grew up in a, in a church of 50 end up pastoring a church of over 2,000? How's a little boy who grew up in a church of 50 on Easter end up being a church like this that's now over 1,000 in just a few years? How does that happen? It has nothing to do with anything I can do. It's Him. It's the Holy Spirit. It's, the Scripture says it's in Him we live, we move, we have our being. It changed my life. He changed my life. Praying in tongues every day radically transformed me. It moved me into a dimension of spiritual understanding that I could never learn in a university and that I could never learn in a Bible study. I thank God for all of that. But the dynamic, the person of the Holy Spirit opens the book to you. It opens it up to you. You'll see things that you've never, ever seen before. He is my helper. And he will help you too.